0: You're listening to Pulse, a podcast by Air Commandos, for Air Commandos. Our mission is to seek clarity and confidence in our understanding of the factors which influence our individual effectiveness. We invite you to join us as we engage in real conversations which explore everything from leadership to physical fitness, from resilience to developing effective habits. So lace up, sink your heading bug, and let's get after it. All
1: right, welcome back to Pulse, everyone. I am Master Sergeant Philip Bean, your Career Assistance Advisor. Uh, we we got a different type of podcast today. Uh, a couple of individuals sitting at the table with us. We have Tech Sergeant Marcus Pace and Staff Sergeant Taylor Salas. Salas. Yep. Salas. I knew I was gonna mess <laughs> it up. I was trying. I was like, ah. But so you guys are ALS instructors here at Canon, right? Yep. Yes, sir. All right. So uh, how long have you guys been instructors?
2: Go ahead, Taylor.
3: Uh, so I'm actually in a unique situation. I'm kind of on my way out right now. So i uh, been doing this gig for four years. Uh, came over from Security Forces uh, probably about five years into being stationed here at Canon. So I've been here a grand total of nine years. But Here at Canon yep okay <laughs> Yep. Cannon good old Cannon Air Force Base uh and then um I'm actually on my way to Minot here soon as Oh, well, so. nice that's my uh, number one dream really yeah that's okay. that's been
1: number
2: one on my list for yeah my entire career <laughs> awesome awesome uh Sergeant Pace here uh been instructing for about a year and a half I uh, left security forces uh here at Canon. Wait, we got two defenders at the table? Yep. <laughs>
1: Man, last week's podcast was a was a defender. This week we got two more. Yep. There's a lot of love going here for uh for our defenders. <laughs> we like to represent. Yep. All
2: right, sorry. Go ahead,
1: continue. Uh
2: So, yes, yeah, so I've been at Canon since 2013 and I went over to ALS in 2018.
1: Almost 2 years or around the 2-year mark. Mhm. Okay. All right. So, did you guys elect to go? Did you want to go? Volunteered,
2: voluntold? Oh, I volunteered. Volunteered? I, I actually, a uh, unique situation for myself, I uh, had orders to Turkey at the same time I got notified of the ALS position. Okay. And the Air Force let me choose if I wanted to take the orders or stay at Cannon for three more years. And uh, here I am. Oh, nice. So you must like it here then? Uh. I like teaching.
1: Okay, all right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> How about you? Volunteer, voluntold. Yeah, so um, I actually went through ALS in 2016. Okay. Uh, graduated, and then uh, the commandant pulled me aside at the time, and and she said, "Hey, man, I think you'd be a uh, you'd be a good fit." Uh, and I personally wasn't having it. I'm like, ah, I don't know about all that. I'm not I'm not too big blue, you know, kind of the perception of ALS, I guess. But uh, a couple months down the road, I ended up signing on my on my house you know clothes on my house and uh figured hey why not let me give it a shot you know and that way i'm i got a little bit of stability and i can start paying off my house and whatnot and uh so i hit her up i said hey is is it still available you know and i went in and and kind of volunteered but i was kind of uh there's some external factors as well that kind of played into it so
1: all right so 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 tell us a little bit about yourselves um kind of where you're from, um, hobbies, things like that. you know, Because you both kind of chose to do this job, so there's gotta be some, some factors there that probably brought you to this point in your career to say, hey, this is the right choice for me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm from, originally from Macon,
2: Georgia. Um, went to Valdosta State University uh, for a couple years. To where? Valdosta State University. Um, and like most students, i partied out right and then uh, my my folks said uh figure it out so i did some research and i figured that the air force was the best fit for me been in since uh 2009 uh, this is my third duty assignment i was overseas for two and uh the air force said hey look good run now now you're going to cannon um my where were you at overseas Air Base, Turkey. Okay, so the assignments would have been going back to Turkey. Correct. Okay. And when I was in Turkey at the time, it was back when the base was open. Uh, you could go off base. The families were there, and uh, for me, it was just an easy choice sticking with ALS. Right. Uh, after Turkey, I went to Milton Hall, United Kingdom, and enjoyed that tour. And then um, came here. Uh, some of my hobbies: uh, member of the cannon softball team as well as a local member of the St. John's Lodge uh, Freemasonry and uh, the American Legion post 116 downtown.
1: So you say Cannon softball team. Are we talking like the the
2: intramural? Is this a traveling? No, this is actually the men's varsity team. Okay. Uh, I'm a member and one of the co-captains for the team. So who do you guys play? Uh, we play other military installations as well as local teams downtown. Oh okay. Yeah. Are you guys any good? Uh we're decent. Uh prior to COVID-19 hitting, we were getting ready to ramp up our, our season, but uh, everything's been kind of shut down. So
1: you're 0 for 0 this year?
2: Yep. Perfect score.
1: <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> Batting a thousand. Right.
2: <laughs> All right. What what's important to you? My career. Your career? Yep. Yeah. I'm uh I'm single, no kids, so I mean, that's kind of what I'm focused on right now. Uh, my future trying to see where I'm I'm at Um, thinking about at this point I've been in for 11 years so riding out the storm essentially and then just setting myself up for the future
1: I'm gonna kill it again I'm gonna try though
2: (laughs) I'm gonna try it
1: Salas yeah did I get it that time oh man (laughs) I was like I can't
3: I can't murder this a second time all right how about you uh so I'm from originally from Las Vegas Nevada um big into sports um as far as hobbies i'm I've kind of become more of a homebody uh as of late i haven't really been going out too much but um i don't think anybody has with uh, COVID. Yeah, well even even prior to covid uh, i used to i used to party a lot back in the cop shop and you know i kept my nose clean enough and then it was time to you know settle down so uh before i push my luck um as far as uh hobbies like i said i'm big into sports hockey so um hockey came to the desert out in uh in las vegas so i've uh, been following them excited for that to pick back up uh, and then as far as football goes uh, i'm a 49ers fan Uh Ugh. yeah <laughs> it was a rough rough uh ending to the season we'll we'll say but
1: i'm a i'm a lions fan who yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> the uh you know you could tell a true true detroit fan yeah because we're willing to say it yeah right because it takes a lot (laughs) of courage and pride to admit you're a lions fan
2: right well i'm a falcons fan so there you go yeah
3: yeah 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 Yeah. no so i uh so i went to uh i was born in california and then i was kind of raised in vegas so i claim vegas as my home or whatever but um went to school all through through vegas and, and whatnot and uh Actually graduated with like certificates to do collision repair so i was uh, i was doing uh, body repair on on vehicles and painting and all that stuff i Uh, might have to get with you after i've been trying to figure out how to use a buffer and man that thing seems to kill me (laughs) yeah yeah they're tough they're tough you'll eat right through the paint if you're not careful but um did that for a little bit and then uh uh, once i graduated with all those certificates i I was starting to look around for jobs and uh was when the economy was kind of rough you know uh, and so I swear I probably scoured every mom and pop shop in Vegas uh, and really couldn't find anything until uh, I landed a job as a mechanic, just a general mechanic. So I uh, did that for a couple months and it was just dead end. I mean, I was paying for for insurance and gas, and that's pretty much about it. I was, you know, uh, living with my parents at the time, and it just it just wasn't cutting it. so uh, ended up joining. Uh, like I said, I've been here uh, my whole career, so, uh, I've got two deployments under my belt out of, out of uh, security forces, um, and then, like I said, I have one foot out the door of, of good old Cannon Air Force Base. Uh, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of the guy that's a little bit more optimistic about this place. I I, I really have enjoyed my time here. Um, I'm not just saying that to to pump folks up, you know what I mean. But uh, it's it's been good. Uh, I like hunting as well, so hunting out here is is awesome. I think. Uh, one of the best states to go hunting so, as long as you um, can get tags yeah yeah so uh this year i didn't put in just because i knew i was getting orders out of here but uh last year I ended up tagging out on an antelope and then the year before that a mule deer shot, oh nice shot my first muley so um but yeah it's been it's been good to me cannon's, cannon's been really good to me so
1: Sam i'm from michigan you want to hunt you just go down to any store yep say hey i want to tag <laughs> and then you go shoot an animal yeah. here my first year they're like oh yeah it's a lottery and i went how in the world do yep. I do that oh yeah so yeah it's a, it's a definitely a different approach to hunting
3: yeah for sure
1: the uh so I'm in the same boat as you I, I absolutely love Cannon I think Cannon's a, a great assignment a great place to be um I was stationed in Travis prior to here oh, nice. uh, my wife was up at Beale so we had a, a long commute each and we got orders they they dropped hey we're going to Cannon and we were both super excited ready to go ready to pull uh, pull the trigger and get down here. And then throughout, you know, the, the PCS time frame, all of a sudden the orders got canceled. My wife's like, she calls me in a, in a frantic, hey, our orders are canceled. Uh, somehow medical put a code against me. I was like, work to get the code taken care of. I'll just see what we can do as far as getting the orders back. It took a couple hours and all of a sudden we, the, the orders were reinstated. Um, and I had previously worked for the wing command chief there at Travis And I had a meeting with him as he's trying to assist me. And he goes, look, I'll help you get the orders back. But why do you want to go to Cannon? (laughs) He's like, nobody wants to go there. And I was like, for the last five years, my wife and me have been geographically separated. Her at Beal and me, you know, there. It was an hour and a half commute because of all the traffic in California for us to both get home. And here we're you know we're stationed together. We can live 15, 20 minutes off base, and I get to see my kids. I'm like, to me at the end of the day, it's not about you know, oh, cannon's the worst assignment. I, when I get there, I'll find out you know my own make my own impression of the base. but really, if I can be around my family, enjoy you know the life of that, yeah. the assignment's not that bad. This place is actually pretty amazing. Yeah. Great mission, great people uh you got to travel a little bit further for you know some things but in today's era amazon's
2: amazing you can get anything yeah it's almost uh we actually have to tell our students the same thing about canon yeah uh just because we have the uh e4 e5s and some of them have been here for quite some time and then trying to change their mindset on why canon is not as bad as they perceive it to be right that's a uphill battle all the time yeah and it's
1: it's kind of amazing um that you guys have that. So, you know, we run f and when, when the, the, the brand-new airman gets here and they come in the room, uh, I have a period of time where I go in and I talk to them, and I, it's one of the things I ask them, I'm like, so how do you guys like Canon? They're like, oh, this place is great. Or are like, you know, when I was in tech school, my MTL told me this place was miserable. You know, oh, I'm sorry, you got orders to Canon. They're like, we got here, and they're like, this place is actually really nice. They're like, I don't understand why, what their point is. And I'm like... Give it a couple of years, and I'm sure you'll be that same person. Um, I mean, I was my first assignment was Ramstein, Germany. You know, I spent six oh. years overseas, and the amount of people there who are like, "Oh, this place is miserable. I hate being stationed at Ramstein." I'm like, and then you get to Cannon, and you got the same thing. It's like, all right, it's not so much that it's the assignment; it's the person that's you know. Absolutely. Yep,
2: they, and then it's also. What kind of people are you meeting when you when you get to your assignment are you do you have a good networking group yeah uh, of friends and family um that's one thing that i I think that has helped uh being here for so long is the fact that you make good friends
3: yeah i'm i'm looking forward to go to minot because i'm i'm ready to get back in that that like real family type environment you know um and i think i think canon kind of provides that as well uh i got people that you know left cannon, and they're begging to come back they're like man this sucks i'm i'm over here in san antonio which to any other person would be like dude you're in san antonio yeah come on now that's you a know? great place yeah right you know but he's like man it sucks the camaraderie here is is not as great as as canon Yeah. Know? and so i got i got a lot of people that are begging to come back See, I me personally i i like i like
1: being kind of in the middle of nowhere uh, I like to have some land between me and my neighbor, right. <laughs> California, you know, everybody's right on top uh, yeah. of each other. You got no space yep. here, man. I could throw a rock and not even hit my neighbor's house. Oh, right. uh, that, that's a winning environment for me. Right. So is that a struggle though, that you guys have, uh, when you're teaching classes? Like I know that, you know, obviously each individual is going to be different, but when you're trying to teach a group of upcoming NCOs are already currently NCOs that have been wavered, um, they're kind of in this mindset. How hard is it to break through to them in an ALS classroom to I guess not just the curriculum that you're teaching right because that that's easy enough to say, hey, um, but when they are already salty in the in the sense of oh, I'm here now I got to be an ALS, now I got to do this, how hard is it to get the information
3: to them and have them actually, I guess, absorb it? I, honestly, it's tough. It, it, it is tough at times. Uh, sometimes you get folks that, that you know, they kind of drink the Kool-Aid uh, and, and, you know, it, it goes easy for them. Uh, then you have, you know, what we and the instructor feel called devil's advocates. And, uh, I mean, it sucks. It, it, it's really sucked because it it kind of breeds this toxic environment. And, you know, then you get folks that, uh, they're all about it. They're ready to be supervisors, ready to uh, do their thing, you know. And then you have these folks in there that are just kind of bringing them down and bringing them down. And um, I'd say my biggest pet peeve is when uh, folks down cannon and then you come in here with that mindset, you know, because I'm not going to lie. I was I was pissed off when I got orders here. I, I, you know, I was like, who did I make mad? Like, what, you know, <laughs> what, what did I do? I'm fresh out of tech school, you know. Yeah.
2: I, I had to Google. I had when i got
3: orders well yeah after i googled, <laughs> after i googled that's when i <laughs> became a, a little bit more peeled but <laughs> uh oh that's awesome but then i i, I want to say probably I, I don't know i think a year into it i kind of drank the kool-aid i'm like man this is this is pretty dope i love uh i love the mission here the mission's sweet you know, yeah i kind of dread leaving uh leaving afsoc just because of the mission, you know. But. Um, getting back to the original question, I mean, it's, it's tough, you know, it, you know, sometimes again, you'll, you'll turn them in that six weeks and you don't, even then you don't even know if they're, they're just drinking the Kool-Aid just to say they drank it, you know? Yeah. But, um, for the most part, I think, uh, having a good group of folks in there, uh, is, is really what kind of sways their mindset as far as, uh, the negativity and the saltiness and whatnot too. So, uh, my biggest thing that I tell them is, hey man, uh, what happens when you get that big blue airman that's fresh out of tech school? They're hyped, They're ready to go. They're uh, they're ready to game it, you know. And uh, and I know the cop shop back when I was there, we were we were very bad about it, you know, and not not you know putting the, the cop shop down or whatnot. But I had a lot of buddies that, you know, they would come free to, uh, fresh out of tech school and and they would essentially get knocked down a notch. And I'm like, dude, why are you doing that, man? Like. Knock it off, you know. Uh, whether you're excited to go on the road and write tickets, or if you're excited to respond to your first domestic or whatever it is, you know, it was like, "Hey, man, chill out, relax," you know. Yeah. And to me, that's my biggest pet peeve: is is quit quit telling these kids what they should and shouldn't like. You know what I mean? So no,
2: I
1: that's so it's good that you're saying that because as you're as you're talking about that, it makes me think of you know my community maintenance, yep. um, being a crew chief. I know when I showed up, you know, my recruiter when I joined was like, oh, yeah, here's why, you know, being a crew chief is the best thing in the world. You get your name on the plane. You're going to fly. You're going to do all these yep. things. And, you know, day one of stepping at your new base and, you know, you're like, when can I go to work? And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm yourself down. <laughs> You'll get there at some point. Go hold me a flashlight. And you're like, but when do I get to when do I get to do the real work? All right. Yeah. So, and I think that that is a, a probably a bigger, you know, issue. Um, and it probably does bring in some of that, that negativity and hostility, not just to, you know, your own work environment, but when you go to work and you're, you're pushed down and kind of shut down and then you get off of work, the only thing you're thinking is, Oh man, Canon sucks. I, I don't like this. I don't want to be here. And it's not that it's the base. It's not that it's the area it's that individual that but rather than making it about one person you just generalize that that mindset yeah. so how about you what uh what are your thoughts as far as breaking through to to these guys while they're you know
2: in that salty behavior i guess um one thing for me that i um i tell my students is i, I kind of put the ball back in their court uh especially the the students that are or have a negative mindset. I tell them, like, why are you like this? Well, my supervisor sucks. Uh, I have a toxic work environment. Uh, anything like that, I put the ball back in their court. I'm like, so you want that here while you're in class for six weeks? i yeah. like, everyone to include your supervisor leadership gets the same leadership lessons and tools that you're getting here at ALS. If they're not using them, that's on them. But I'm gonna give you the tools. It's on you to, to actually use them, um, and sometimes you can get them to change their mindset or and come in open-minded. But uh, it's on the individual, um, and a lot of it is peer influence. Uh, if you have a good couple students, it the attitude usually uh, is infectious in, in a good good sense.
1: Yeah. Um, with so when I I personally when I went through ALS in Dating yourself. oh man yeah All <laughs> we're, we're going to skip when I went through ALS we'll just say I, that I did attend it at one point um, well, actually it was during the while I was in class the uh, don't ask don't tell was mm. rescinded right yep. uh, there was an individual in our class who for lack of better terms was disruptive as much as he possibly could be disruptive he was going to do it. Um, nice guy. I I knew him prior to the class. Um, very outwardly in his opinions. Uh, matter of fact, he almost got kicked out of ALS because he tried to swing on one of the instructors. What? Yeah. So we were doing uh, we were doing our PT run, and he was out of shape and he was falling behind. So I had ran back to you know motivate and everything. Well, one of the instructors had came back and. He starts telling him to run faster he's like i'm trying I, i'm out of shape instructor said something he fired back quickly instructor put his hand on him and this kid took a swing he's like you touched me first we got everything calmed down everyone okay. goes into the commandant's office to have this huge powwow about you know what's going on um but yeah it was we were told and Obviously, I I guess it could be like that in any environment. But our instructor was always stressed out with us. And he's like, this is honestly the worst class I have ever had to instruct. Wow. Like it was just that bad. Um, And the commandant even said that we were, as a whole group, one of the worst that have came through there. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if it was, you know, just the individuals, you know, the onesies, twosies that made it. Uh, But I do know that my particular classroom, it seemed like, you know, we got to stay extra hours a few times uh, for additional learning. Mm. That's why I asked, like, how do you how do you really get through with some of these individuals to to help them out? Because I know I like there was a group of us in there and a lot of them. I don't know where I fell into that spectrum. I know that as an airman, I was a really horrible <laughs> airman. I like to think as I progressed, I got a little bit better. So I don't know if I was on the on the stressful side for my instructor, or if I was, you know, more to you know, to balance it out. But I know that he he would come in the class. By the end of our 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 couple of weeks of being there, you could f- just it was all over his face, like just ultimate defeat. And I got you guys sitting in front of me now and you guys are currently in week 3, 4, 5. five week so 5. Yeah, they, yeah, they graduate Monday. Yep. Okay. They
2: graduate next week.
1: But I see smiles. <laughs> I I don't see bags under your eyes. You guys are in, you guys are looking like you're in pretty good shape still. So was it just my class was just really <laughs> that bad?
3: No, no, no. Um <laughs> You want to elaborate on this one? <laughs> yeah, I got you. Um
2: So every every once in a while we'll we'll get students that uh, (laughs) challenge us. Uh, Specifically, I think it was my first full class. I had... uh, I remember that. (laughs) It was my first full class teaching by myself. Um, I had three individuals in a class of 16 that just were not having it. Uh, I'm not going to call out their AFSC, but they're more of the um, outdoorsy type, uh with guns we'll say that <laughs> uh, i think i know where that goes <laughs> um but they were not having it and they did not want to be there and every second or every chance that they got they let me know yeah i had a devil's advocate i had a unprofessional student and then one that just looked at me and you could just see the profanity written on his face right uh i would ask questions and they would just try me at every second um I would put the class on break. I would go back to the instructor area and talk to the, the staff about it, and they're like, sorry. "Go
1: smoke a pack of cigarettes like, sorry for
2: you, you know um but a little tool and a tip that the other staff members gave me uh talk to the the students that were the good ones, right? Um, The ones that had influence. So I would talk to those students and have them talk to their their fellow peers to see if it would work. Uh, For two of the three, it worked. And then my devil's advocate, uh, I gave him multiple chances, right? Uh, But then me and him had to have a one-on-one closed-door conversation. Uh, He graduated, but whether or not he changed his attitude, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know
1: i'm gonna go with no
2: probably not but uh it's funny because i actually saw him uh a year after he graduated and he he came up to me at the shop at and he's like hey sergeant pace how's it going Uh, i just want to let you know uh this leadership thing is harder than what you made it seem like and i was like what are you talking about? He's like, well, I'm writing EPRs, I got subordinates that make my life you know, crazy. And I'm like, well, I tried to tell you that it, it wasn't gonna be easy, but you didn't wanna listen to me, but I'm glad that uh, you're, you're figuring it out. So uh, I'll let Sergeant Salas tell you his,
3: his side. Yeah, so um, I think it's funny, because us as, uh, us as in, instructors, we end up uh, kind of comparing each other's flights inadvertently, I guess. Um, and one of the one of the things that I guess Specter Flight's been known for is having having some pretty decent classes. So uh, I don't really um, have much experience. I did have one class where uh, it seemed like everything I did uh, just did not work. It just went completely against the grain. Um, I had uh, one guy in particular that uh, just was not getting it was not getting nice. I had multiple one-on-ones with him. We called the first sergeant in. Uh, but the guy was a good test taker, you know? And so, and, and he kept his nose clean enough to where we were able to pass him. Uh, but it's just, it's still one of them things where you're like, man, what are you gonna do as a supervisor? You know, how, how are you gonna, how are you gonna be? Um, and funny enough, I, I ran into him as well at the shop at and, and he's like, hey, this sucks. Like this is this is not fun. And I'm like, "Well, dude." I'm like, "I, you know, I gave you tools. I mean, I I told you what to expect essentially." Yeah. And uh I don't know if he thought I was joking with him or what, but I mean, leadership's not easy, yeah. you know, cuz it's, it's it's tough, you know, and uh, facts. Being a good good test taker doesn't necessarily get you there, you know. So I think that's one of the hard things too probably
1: with your guys' jobs is leadership. It, it is. It's hard. And it's not something that can necessarily be taught. You can teach tools to aid and assist. Um, whether the individual wants to take the tools is up to them. But really, you know, you have your own personal abilities and your own personal ways of doing things. But then you also have the individual who you're leading or mentoring or guiding or whatever the the catchphrase word is. You want to stick towards that, Um and tailoring your approach to their their uh, reception, right, and making it a you know a fluid ability. So when you guys are teaching tools, it's not saying, hey, you know, take take A, B, and C, and you're going to be able to do D. It's hey, here's A through Z. Pick one and try it with an individual. It may or may not, and then you may have to go back and go z through a to see which one you know is better and i think that you know i was in that boat too back in that day um als tells me hey you know here's these things and as a maintainer i sit through the class and i'm like i can't use any of this like this is a (laughs) giant waste of my time i'm sitting here taking notes i'm like "Uh uh-huh talk to my people (laughs) that that's not helpful i talk to people all the time and then you know it takes takes some time, and after a period, things start to click, and you go, "Oh, you weren't saying that. Hey, this is specifically how I handle this or what I should do. It's this is an approach, and tailor it to my environment. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I wish I was smart when I went through that class. You know, it's that that old saying of, you know, if I knew now what I, or if I knew then what I know now. Yep. Uh, my high school." chemistry teacher yeah it was chemistry uh he was also our soccer coach and he used to you know give us advice and things like that and I sat in um one of his classes I mean I passed the class I I, I graduated high school <laughs> but we'll say I was I was that bad kid in the classroom like I said I was a, I was a horrible airman It had to start somewhere <laughs> and he had given us a nugget uh at a res- uh, soccer practice and it took me seven and a half years finally i went and looked him up on uh social media and i wrote him this long thank you right it took seven and a half years before what he had said actually clicked in my head and i went huh hey what do you know he was actually kind of smart mm. and i so i had to go back and i apologize for you know being such a, a horrible person oh, yeah. for him he's like you are a great student i was like all that he's like, I don't remember the, those bad things. He goes, you know how many individuals come in here that right. you know try and you know test the water, see what they can get away with. He's like, knowing that somebody's taking something away, whether it be immediately or you know, in my case, you know, waiting for my brain to actually function. Uh, I think that's really you know a huge benefit. So knowing that you know these individuals, when you saw them, you know, a year ish mm-hmm. down the road, and they're like, hey, you know, some of those things, like, you, you had an impact in their life. Uh, I'm willing to bet you, you guys will probably be one of those people, you know, 20 years down the road that they look back and go, oh, yeah, my, my instructor. Because to this day, I still talk to my ALS instructor. Um, he, he was a prior defender. Uh, switched over to chaplain's assistant. And I think he was trying to go somewhere else. I'm not sure. Um, we haven't talked about work in a while, uh, but he is somebody to this day. I'm like, hey, I need some leadership advice or some yeah. mentorship. It's not his job anymore, other than he's right. an NCO or a senior NCO. But knowing that he at one point was the person providing me with that guidance, I, have you guys had that besides your your two that? really stood out there um individuals that still come back and try and
3: get further nuggets or um i've had uh actually more recently uh someone at the cop shop that that we ended up hitting it off uh, really well uh hit me up and he's like hey man what are you uh are you putting anything in for like awards packages this, this uh quarter uh and i said no to be honest i've been kind of lazy i been mean, kind of bumming it especially uh since the whole covid thing um, and he was adamant like adamant on hey I want to uh I want to write your package will you let me write your package <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here thinking like dude I just pushed you through like two months ago chill out right but <laughs> yeah but in the back of my mind I'm like dude no way he's like he told me why he said well I just put my uh my guy up for airman in the quarter and he won it and uh you know I didn't have too many hands on my paper you know and so I think I'm pretty pretty good at this and uh He's like, I just kind of wanted to see what you had going on. I said, no, not much, man, but it's definitely something uh, that I'll remember. You know what I mean? Um, so as far as reaching back, um, I have had folks uh, also ask about like disciplinary issues. You know, uh, hey, how would you handle this? You know, um, I'm, I have a troop right now that uh, just is not getting it. You know what I mean? And so they'll kind of run through every scenario that they've gone through and uh, and I'll kind of give them my point of view. Uh, sometimes, if I don't really have a point of view, I'll, I'll go to the next best thing, you know, uh, lean on my instructors and then uh, the commandant as well. So, um, definitely grateful that they remember you and they say, hey, you know what? Uh, you know who could figure this out? Sergeant Solis, right? Or Sergeant Pace, or uh, the commandant, you know. Um, so, uh, we end up getting put in, into such a mentorship role. Uh, kind of through the process, essentially, you know what I mean? I I don't sign up to be, you know, 16 people's mentors, but essentially you have to take on that role. Yeah. Right? And so no, it's kind of cool when you get those people that, that that did take it seriously and they're like, hey, man, like, hook me up with some nuggets. Hook me up with some knowledge, you know. Um, I don't know how to handle this situation or how would you do this or, or have you ever seen this before, you know. Um, and I, I even see, tell them that stuff whenever they leave as well because uh, – you know as you see our a l s building uh we're kind of stuck up there in our in our little hole, you know um and so at the end of the day uh we don't know what's going on in the real world, you know what I mean we kind of lose touch with of that uh being up there for so long, and so I'm kind of ready to go back to security forces as well and kind of see hey what's what are the new challenges you know I know the discrimination is going on uh last year's uh, big big topic with suicide and, and stuff like that. So I'm ready to go out there and actually uh, supervise. You know what I mean? Uh, and kind of put all this advice that I'm giving other folks to to work. So
1: yeah. yeah, with uh with that, you know, you talk about the class, and you automatically become the mentor for you know all of these individuals. So we we talk about it here quite a bit, and it's you can't lead. Or mentor somebody if they're not willing to follow you right yeah, and you know if if you as a supervisor or even an instructor if you go into a classroom and all you do is you stand there and you talk and you give advice and then those individuals leave the room you you instructed them you didn't mentor you didn't lead but when those individuals start reaching back out to you that's a sign that says hey, I'm actually, I'm making a difference. I'm making a change. Um, because at the end of the day, only the individual receiving the information can decide whether they're, they're being mentored or, hey, thanks right. for the advice. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. And yeah. they press on. So knowing that they are coming back, I think is a, is a true sign that, you know, what you're doing has impact. It, it's making a difference. Maybe not to 100%. Mm-hmm. but I, the the few that you are touching I think ultimately is what makes the big difference and makes the
3: job so impactful and important I think I think it depends on on how you sell it as well uh, I've seen you know supervision that that is like oh no you know we're gonna reblue you we're gonna do this you know and it's like I tell my students day one I say hey what are some uh, you know what are some rumors you've heard of ALS you know oh well, I'm here to get reblowed I'm here to you know, drink the Kool-Aid and whatnot, and uh, I tell them straight up, I say, hey, that's not my job. I'm not here to re you. I could care less whether you're re Uh What I'm here to do is give you tools to be a good supervisor, you know what I mean? Uh, the mentorship comes with it later on uh, when you step into those roles, but I'm not here to re you. That's that's one of the biggest things that I think is a misconception of ALS is that, you know, we're here to feed you all this nonsense and and all this stuff, but... Uh, I think once they hear that, it puts a lot of my my cops, my maintainers, uh, my my CE folks, right? It puts them at ease because they're like, okay, this guy's not going to be feeding me all this nonsense, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna teach me legit what I need to know, you know. So,
1: have either of you ever started a class, or joined the class, or even finished the class by bringing in a picture of?
3: blue kool-aid <laughs> no, I might, no i might i might do, do that, that for my last <laughs> class though
1: like as you said that i was like man that'd be a great way to start out a class like icebreaker like you know als has their 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 icebreaker show up with pictures of blue kool-aid and be like all right everyone it's time to start drinking yeah no i i have
3: one class left i might try that <laughs>
1: uh, well if you do it and uh the commandant gets upset you did not get the idea uh, yeah, from me i'm, I'm pointing you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it might be kind of hard to do right now since we're virtual um, oh yeah that's true yeah but uh i don't know i guess we could still do it virtually
3: yeah (laughs) that's that's been a big challenge this year is the whole virtual thing so so
2: how how do you guys how have you guys felt about teaching virtually then really i mean we obviously we would like to be in residence face to face with our students but uh we want everyone to be healthy right um for me personally teaching virtually has been um more energy draining than than normal. Yes. You have to put yourself out there from the jump, day one. You have to let your students know exactly who you are, what you're about, to to get them on board, just because, and keep them engaged throughout the day. Because uh, sitting in front of a screen for eight hours is is not the best. But you have to come in with uh, strong intensity uh, and let the students like feel you. Uh, essentially just so they can um open up a a lot more and and quicker than than normal
3: yeah Yeah, i think uh in the beginning we we thought it was going to be this big big change you know and all these guys aren't going to get to know each other and blah 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 and so uh the first class we ran with eight people um and it ended up really really well Uh, i think that uh, they still get the experience you know it's not it's not ideal obviously none of this is ideal nobody wants to be wearing their masks and stuff like that but um, I think at the same time they they still got the gist of what uh, we do in a in-residence class and uh, we were actually talking about as as far as awards go you know and and we talk about the Commandant's Awards so you get two nominees from each class and um, it was a conversation that we had to talk about you know as instructors saying hey did you really see anybody step up? And and that's when we realized, I think, is, uh you know, this virtual stuff isn't much different from an in-resident. Re- in I don't want to be doing it. But, yeah, like Sergeant Pace said, you have to bring the energy. You have to because if you don't, it, I mean, all day is just going to drag. And I'll be real with them sometimes. I'm like, hey, I'll be honest with you guys. This lesson kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, like, this, this lesson <laughs> is not great. Uh, there's not much um, excitement behind it. But we got to get through it, and I think they respect that. But, um, you know, honestly, I think it's been cool to see the transition to going from eight students to 16 students and and how well they work together. I mean, these PowerPoints, you you should see some of these PowerPoints that they're coming up with in five minutes that would have took me a whole day to (laughs) figure out how to open up the app, let alone put something together, you know. So uh, I think they're learning a lot from each other, and, and the experience isn't as different as you would think. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
1: I think for me one of the biggest struggles so here in the PDC we're we're working our way in the virtual realm uh taking baby steps. One of the biggest problems that I have for my first-term airman is if the airman just arrived here, do they have internet? Mm. Do they have a computer? Whereas a senior uh senior member of the Air Force probably I would say for the the most part has a computer has a phone has some means um some of the younger airmen who show up here though it's like hey man do you have i mean coming from maintenance hey what's your phone number oh i don't have a phone yeah Yeah. how do you not have a phone (laughs) right like in this day and age um so you know that's one of the struggles that we we've been faced with is how do we go virtual with our FTAC in order to ensure that the airmen are still able to attend uh so we're we're working through some of those and we're actually almost at the point where we're going to be virtual. Nice. Um, the PDC has been doing a couple of classes. Um, we're starting to build more and more into that, um, into how we do it. But some of our courses are, you know, hey, they come in here, we watch a 30-minute video and then we discuss it. Mm-hmm. And there's some legalities to, you know, me streaming, you know, different movies or things like that, making sure that I'm not doing anything that's going to... uh jeopardize the mission here as well so it's interesting to see how you guys are able to do it the interactions i know our first uh our first class we did virtually was an informed decision brief it's a requirement for anyone that's 12 to 15 months from their dos and i start the class get it going and then it dawns on me nobody has their cameras on (laughs) right (laughs) And we can do this whole brief, and one person finally turned their camera on. And I was like, okay, hey, look, I didn't say at the beginning, I need everyone to, you know, turn your cameras on. We got to be able to see you. Well, a bunch of them still didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's like, okay, well, how do I give you credit? Because I got to know that you you were here, you received this. So, throughout it, I'd get throughout a couple of, you know, hey, I need you all to unmute your mics real quick for me. And I just take a note of who didn't unmute it. Yeah. All right. At the end, I gave them all an instruction and in what they had to do. And out of the ones who were attending air quotes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was five that didn't ever unmute and never followed the yeah. ending instructions. It's like, okay, well I know at least who, who got credit for this course now. Um, and then it went, okay. In the future, I mean, when I sent out my email, you have to have, you know, camera abilities you will have your camera on so we can see you. Um, if the course is the informed decision, you will be in uniform or whatever the you know the requirements are. So, I I definitely went into it with the wrong mindset of oh yeah I'm gonna create this class and everybody's just gonna turn their cameras on, have their mics on, and we're gonna have a great go at it, and that was not real. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you guys have probably gotten to the point now or have experienced it where when you start a class, especially if they're not used to being on zoom, they, they just don't want to talk. They're, they're very quiet, very more sheltered. I think than what they would be even in classroom, because in a classroom, you know, you can call on them and they feel put on the spot, but when they're sitting at their own home
3: and you're like, Hey, why don't you talk? And they're like,
2: I mean, I still, I still pick on
3: them. I, yeah, yeah, I'll pick on them. I think, I think uh, one of the challenges is uh, folks feel weird, uh, and I, I got that feedback specifically this class actually. Uh, one individual, he's like, he's like, I don't know, man. I just, I feel really awkward. Like <laughs> I'm in this room by myself. My wife's in the next room. I know she's listening because she's nosy. <laughs> uh, and, and I feel weird. I feel like I'm just talking into a camera. You know? Yeah. And, uh, I'm like, well, yeah, but at the same time, at least we're giving you emotions back and feedback, you know, so I think that's been a big challenge, but uh, that and then the connectivity issues. So. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have, uh, I have one individual right now, he's stationed out in Massachusetts on the guard, mm-hmm. um, and so he's out there right now, and we joke around with them, we're like, man, you're messing with that McDonald's Wi-Fi, you know, <laughs> and uh and and it gets frustrating. I think that's again, we're learning from that and we we kinda discussed it. We say, Hey, two weeks into it, if they're still having issues, then I think we just cut our losses and we try again on the next time.
1: But. Yeah. The uh the class I just finished for some of my training, one of the uh one of the students is stationed at ILSEN. Mm-hmm. You know, the Wi Fi at Eielson is not good yeah. and every time that they would have to talk, you would get one, maybe two of their words, a whole lot of static and then whoever asked them the question be like oh yeah thanks you know and they i was like did you actually hear them because i i got nothing <laughs> no. I, but they played it off great i was like okay <laughs> yeah so with with your guys' change of curriculum and even before um the COVID, i know you guys have changed curriculums and I'm I'm curious. I know I mentioned it prior to us actually pressing the record button, so I'm actually going to ask you on here. Um, You know, one of the things that I've heard is, you know, you guys don't teach bullet writing anymore, and you don't teach this lesson anymore, uh, or that, or whatever it is. Um, With the changes that you guys make, do you find that it's it's making a better supervisor, a better leader? Is it? Are we getting rid of some of the lessons that? You know maybe we should have gotten rid of and just changed how we taught like what's your
2: guys's thoughts on on some of that so the change to the curriculum happened what was it, uh last summer yeah uh so it's been about a year now um in the barn center took away the bullet writing as well as some other lessons like uh 1206 locs things of that nature uh and the intent behind it was to push it back to the the local leadership uh, within your work centers, Uh, just because squadron to squadron, base to base, MAGCOM to MAGCOM, the language and how we write is different. Um, So they wanted the local leadership to have a a part in that and lead their their brand new supervisors. Uh, For us now, I, I feel like the lessons that we currently have are focusing on those individuals to be Good supervisors and show them how to be good supervisors. So,
1: with when you guys remove some of those lessons, I guess what what kind of goes in to
3: replace it? So, as far as as far as like EPRs go, um, I mean, we have one. Uh, well, no, I say one right one day, um, but a couple blocks where we just talk forms. So, uh, we kind of get them familiar with uh, EPRs and we get them familiar with ACAs and twelve o sixes and uh locs and memorandums all that good stuff right but um essentially uh to replace it there's there's not much that replaces uh saying hey you're gonna turn in some bullets to me yeah um which which is unfortunate and that that's why i think uh bringing it back to my old story with uh the guy hitting me up to do my package i didn't teach him how to write bullets you know i kind of gave him little nuggets here and there but uh that was that was to me i was like man this guy's hungry like it's it's awesome to see that you know um personally i think uh in the beginning when this when this curriculum dropped i think a lot of als instructors across the air force thought that Barnes center missed the mark um we were very unhappy with it uh there wasn't uh the speeches weren't as stringent um the rubrics don't even get me started on the rubric <laughs> uh but I think now we're kind of past that that denial phase and and whatnot, and I think we're we're starting to get into um, more of a norm, I guess. Uh, and so it, it's not bad. Um, I still I guess, I guess I'm a little bit biased because that's what I taught for three years. You know, um, I'm still partial to the old curriculum, but uh, I understand moving forward and whatnot. You know, the, the different things pop up. I think the one that if I I think I could bring back would probably probably be either epr bullets or uh expanding on emergent leadership issues uh which is where we talk about the nitty-gritty of being supervisors as far as like uh you know suicide awareness workplace violence you know uh alcohol abuse stuff like that i think that's super important and uh yeah the real you know the the stuff that you're gonna see um and they they kind of dialed that back for us which we were a little bit upset about but yeah uh we also that seems like a topic that really
1: should be right talked about a little bit more there too
3: yeah Yeah. the the cool thing is like if we do have more to talk about or elaborate on that uh we do have these blocks called reflective reinforcement Mm -hmm. uh which (laughs) we we weren't big fans of to begin with too uh because the idea is to teach a lesson and then all right talk about it for another hour when we already taught it you know so yeah (laughs) <laughs> but it's like repetitiveness, beating, beating the dead horse. Yes, yes. So, uh, what well, we've been kind of filling that in with, because Barn Center has kind of given us a little bit of liberty with it. Uh, they say, hey, man, like hit whatever you want to talk about. And so I tell my guys, hey, uh, during this reflective reinforcement time, I want you guys to ask me the questions you want answered, not me asking questions from Barn Center. Um, and I think that kind of fills that void of of missing emerging leadership issues or epr bullets or you know so they're going to really ask you what they're concerned about
2: yeah they 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 come with the real hard questions sometimes yeah they're tough um i think this current class that i have we spent a whole like hour talking about what's going on in america right now and how is that going to affect them being a supervisor yeah
1: yeah that's that's a, that's a solid question. That's uh, tough. Yeah, mm-hmm. and,
2: and yeah, you have to, you have to address it because you're literally looking at them and they're like, Sergeant Pace, how do you feel about um, the DOD uh, approving no Confederate flags on military installations? And you have to sit there and answer the question. Yeah. And then, and then hit them with why. And then in turn, turn around and ask them like how they feel about it. And you, you, you see the feedback or the, um, the tension amongst the students yeah and then as an instructor you kind of let let them have that opportunity to to voice their opinion uh and it gets personal sometimes but as an instructor we also uh keep them in check and, and let them know like hey you can have your personal feelings but once those personal feelings start to affect you professionally then yeah no go
1: right exactly and you know that's kind of like a General Goldfein and Chief Wright's stance, you know, learning how to have the difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've asked the question on a couple other podcasts, um, you know, how do you start that conversation? How do you how do you handle it? And my personal belief is, it's not that people don't want to ask the question. It's not that they're that they're like, man, I I just don't care. It's they're afraid of the answer. Right. So even as a supervisor, if you have an individual and you see you're sitting there and you're looking and he looks down and out, um, something's probably on his mind, bothering him. And you're like, man, if I ask him what's going on, he's probably going to tell me and I'm going to have to listen to what is actually, it's not, and it could be, you know, you actually care to help them too. And it could be as simple as man, I don't know if I can handle that situation. So you're like, I, I, Maybe if I wait, somebody else will go do it. I know with, with our FTAC, uh, we've had a couple of classes. We've mm-hmm. done eight people socially distanced in this room, right? And hey, if you sit in your desk and you don't move, you can take your mask off. Other than that, you gotta put your mask on. Well, I come in for my, my period and I usually allow the opportunity for them just to ask whatever they want. You're new to the Air Force. What did your recruiter tell you that you're like, "Uh, eh, that doesn't seem right." I've gotten some nothing is as real as I'm sure what you guys got because, you know, a, an individual has been in the Air Force a little bit longer. Yeah. They're going to they're going to hit you with it. Mm-hmm. Uh the young airman every once in a while they will give me one and I'm like, "That's uh that's, that that's a great question." <laughs> that's like a tough one, yeah. yeah. So that I could see how that would be a a struggle for sure. You guys use the reinforcement period, right? Is that what you, It's called as yeah, a Reflective reinforce- reinforcement. Reflective reinforcement to kind of go through and kind of touch on some of those areas that might be...
2: Difficult to talk about? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, because I'm really and truly... Really, even EPRs is just kind of a difficult one if right. you really think about you know, the difference between uh, a maintainer and a, a defender. Yeah. You keep saying cop and I want to say cop, yeah. but I know that I get yelled at every time I call you guys cops. <laughs> so... I'm I'm trying to get better at defender. Yeah, (laughs) Um, the the style is just different, and you know, coming over here to the FSS community, uh, because as a CAA, I fall under the FSS, and the writing style is different. And individuals will come in for career enhancement, and they're like, "Yeah, my supervisor said I have to submit bullets," and I'm like, "Okay, well let's let's talk." You know styles. He's like, "Well, can you help me write a bullet?" I'm like, "As a maintainer, I can, but it may be different for for what you're looking for." Yeah. So it's, you know, there there's moments I think where where it changes, but it's glad, it's good to know that from my side when I'm talking to individuals and they're like, "Oh yeah, they don't teach this in ALS. They don't teach that in ALS." It's <laughs> like, "Well, what does ALS teach you now?"
3: Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a big question we get, and I don't know, it's just another one of those misconceptions is we still talk about it, uh, not as in-depth as – because believe me, I mean, us as instructors, we want to teach that stuff, you know. Like, I personally can't imagine if I went through ALS and then didn't get taught how to write bullets because I know some of the people that were above me, I wouldn't trust them to teach me, to be honest, <laughs> like, if I'm being real, you know. So – um yeah, we want to teach that stuff, and so that's why, again, during those little breaks, those reflective reinforcements, we kind of lean on the old curriculum a little bit, and we say, hey, let's talk about EPRs, you know, or let's talk about the tough stuff, you know, so. So we are getting to that to that marker.
1: Um, so I got one last question for each of you. Um, what has been a defining moment in your time as an ALS instructor that has – Either been eye-opening or something that you know was just so impactful that you're, it's gonna stay with you.
3: Yeah, so I'll, <laughs> I guess I'll go first. Um, so I remember my uh, my very first class. Uh, it was under less than ideal circumstances. So uh, I shadowed for a little bit, uh, went to EPMEIC and uh, down in Alabama, uh, came back and I took over halfway through a class. Uh, for one of our instructors that ended up going to NCOA uh, and by that time you know two weeks into it you already know each other you're already you know uh, getting to that that family aspect you know and uh, here comes this new guy that you know is not very good with the with the instruction you know I'm still trying to figure out my teaching style and stuff like that and um, I had one uh, one individual uh, that we're, we're still friends on Facebook. I still keep uh, keep tabs on her and 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 whatnot. But had one individual that was just the biggest devil's advocate, uh, and I literally I was like, dude, what did I sign up for? Like this sucks. This is not cool. Um, well, come the uh, peer feedback day uh, where they kind of roast each other, if you will. Uh, they told her they're like dude you're a jerk man like this guy's in here trying to qualify and, and uh, you're treating them like you know like crap you know and they, and uh, she ended up going into her car uh, we we kind of lost track of her we're like we're you know we're such and such and uh, she says you know well they're picking on me you know we go down to her car and she's crying well they're picking on me they're they're you know being mean and blah 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 uh, and I think she wanted us to feel bad for her you know and I said well I'm gonna be honest with you like I haven't felt any love any type of love since coming into this classroom uh, from you specifically you know Um, two weeks later uh, we do the next feedback and uh, she got a lot of a lot of feedback saying hey man like you have made strides you've definitely made strides and uh, I want to say probably two to three months later uh, she messaged me back saying hey I." I know it's been a couple months, you know, uh, but thank you, you know, thank you for for everything that you did and, and still having faith and not treating me any different because I treated you like crap, you know. Um, and so, uh, to me, kind of going back to your original question, uh, you know, is what what were some defining moments to me? I'm like, hey, you know what? Do you to the best of your ability, you know, be uh, be the leader that you know you are, and I think uh, things will play out. You know what I mean? Don't uh, don't carry that that negative energy with you going forward, and, and things will play out and, and work out on the benefit. Solid advice. Very solid.
2: All right. Um, for me, it's usually when I'll ask, you know, brand-new class, uh, hey, what, what have you heard about me uh, as far as an instructor? And mo- nine times out of ten, I always get uh, Sergeant Pace is, uh, you know, he's very, very strict. You don't <laughs> want him. Uh, and then I asked that same question, like how do you feel about me as an instructor at, towards the end on graduation week? And at, at that point, six weeks, um, they'll tell you the truth. And they're like, you know what, it's not the fact that you're strict, it's like you just hold us to a, a, a higher standard than what I thought I was capable of. And I was like, cool, I'm, I'm holding you to a standard. I need you to do the same for your subordinates when you get back to your work center. Um, and not just the status quo. Uh, and anytime I get a student that comes back uh after they graduate and they're like, Man, my subordinate, like they just they just can't get right and I'm like, Did you are you holding them to a standard? They were like, Yeah, but they're not getting right I was like, Well enforce the standard, you know? Um and I think that's what I like about my current position is the fact that every once in a while you'll you'll have a student reach back or email you and 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 thank you for, you know, being tough on them and and showing them that tough love. So that's that's it for me.
1: Yeah, I I think that that kind of goes a long way because really and truly everybody that's in the Air Force volunteered to be here. And when you join the military, I mean, I don't. I mean, I guess it's possible that somebody joined the military thinking that it was an unstructured just, hey, I'm going to go get, you know, 20 years paycheck and get a retirement. Yeah. But I think most individuals probably understand that, you know, the idea of going to basic training, that there is structure, that there is, you know, hey, I'm going to be held to a standard. They, they go to basic. They're held to a standard. They follow, you know, a set thing. They get to tech school, same concept. Then they get to their first duty station. They show up and, you know, okay here's your dorm room we'll see in the morning and then they get there and everything just kind of goes to chaos and they're like well nobody's holding me to that standard so why do i care Mm -hmm. so and i think that a lot of the individuals uh we've i mean you guys probably have seen it with some of the young young airmen back in in your previous career field when they come in uh they almost look like they're—they want somebody to tell them, "This is it. Th- quit doing that. You need to do this." Uh, I know for you know my maintainers, we had an airman and the supervisor just kept complaining that he he was bad, and that was one of the one of the things that, you know, we all sat down, we discussed it, and the airman said he's like, well, "If I don't come to work on time, nobody says anything to me about it." Mm. No. that's like okay hold on so you know just and it doesn't even have to be anything that severe it could just be as simple as you know hands in pockets right yeah. um which i know at least when i was in als that was the one thing that every instructor would kill you over
3: yeah same thing
1: you're like <laughs> you try to get a piece of gum out your fingers in there for half a second they're like hand you're like I, yeah, gum wait a minute. they're like yeah good excuse but no it's like come on <laughs> man so well, hey, I appreciate you guys immensely uh, taking the time out of your days. I know you guys are in class. Uh, the uh, the comment was great about offering you guys up. Uh, I hope you guys volunteered to come over here and share some of this because uh, it was a great conversation. I I really like getting to know some of the individuals on base, sharing about you guys with our, our listeners, um, maybe spreading a little bit of... The idea as to what you do behind the scenes more than just oh you teach a class and you give us leaders that don't know how to write eprs right, like, right. <laughs> yeah. that, that seems to be the general idea as to what als does we send you there for six weeks you come back you should be proficient at all things leadership Right. Um, so I, I, I enjoy getting the opportunity to, to kind of share your stories as well as get to know you, um, both in a personal and a professional aspect. So thank you guys for, you know, taking the time to be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you listeners. Uh, hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We'll see you next
0: time. Did you know you can reach out to us via our social media sites? Yes, you can. Folks we truly do want to hear from you. You see, it's your feedback, your questions, your insights, which are vital to our ability to remain relevant and meaningful to you, the listener. So give us a shout out. You can find us on Facebook. Simply search Professional Development Center CAFB. Again, Professional Development Center dash CAFB. We're also on Instagram at PDC. Dot CAFB. Again, PDC. CAFB. And finally, via our email, two seven SOFSS. PEC at US. That's two seven Sierra Oscar Fox, Sierra Sierra, dot Papa Echo Charlie at US. Folks, we do want to hear from you. You have listened to an episode of Pulse,
2: recorded by members of the Cannon Air Force Base community. The views expressed within this
0: podcast are those of the speakers and guests, and do not necessarily represent the view of the DOD, Department of Defense, or its components.
2: To the airmen, soldiers, sailors, and Marines, we'll see you again soon.